Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. KJ, boy, that was something else. Here, here's what I'll say, though. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it just was encouraging to hear you, man. I mean, I thought it was so good, but here's what was going through my mind is a, as much as you shared about how much the brothers and sisters have blessed you and encouraged you, you and Stephanie have been that to us, to this church in nine months. I mean, in, in amazing, probably in ways that you guys don't even realize is how much impact you've had on lives of people. And so I love that. Thank you so much for sharing just your heart. Thank you so much for that, man. That was awesome. Golly, so good. So good. Um, so uh, we're going to go ahead and get started again. Um, today we are talking about uh, what it means to be trained by Jesus. Okay. And w- why is that important? I think sometimes in our world, it's really easy for us to replace a human being for Jesus or a podcast for Jesus or a book for Jesus. And, and all of those can be really great resources and can be used by God in our lives for sure. Um, but one of the things we don't ever want to forget, okay, is this idea of Jesus knows exactly how to work with me and you. He, kn- he knew us before we were made. I mean, if you ever thought about that before, Little children were ever made. He knew us. He knew exactly how we were built and what we ran on, all right, and loved us and loves us deeply. And so to me, that's the guy I want to listen to. That's who I want to listen to more than anything. And so hopefully we're taking this time to hit, maybe hit the reset button on these basic principles of what Jesus would do to train me and you to teach us how to follow him and how to have life to the full. Okay, and so that's what we're going to start doing, but um, we really do want to take some time right now to, um, again, pray on your own, uh, wherever you are, at home, if you're watching us on Facebook Live or or here, is to take some time. I really do feel like this is so vitally important that we talk to Jesus and we talk about our desire to hear His voice, all right, because what can happen is, is there is no speaker, there's no lesson, there's no sermon that can replace Jesus' words, okay? And so, um, so that's what we're going to take some time doing right now. Please do that where you are, just silently go ahead and pray, and then we'll continue after that. Father, as we open your word today, uh, we're grateful. Thank you. Even in the midst of chaos, as we see um, just how kind of raw and messed up the world is, Father, um, we see your grace, we see your mercy, we see you working. Thank you for that. Uh, we do ask for your strength and your just helping us to endure and to glorify your name and to share your gospel. And please, right now, Father, I pray that you, that you uh, really speak to our hearts. 
Father, really, uh, you know, any words I can use are totally imperfect in comparison to your words, Father, and your ways and your teachings. And I do pray that we leave here, um, not just with information, Father, but that we leave here um, determined to follow you, determined to be pleasing to you, and walking in your presence constantly. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to start there. Um, we've, we've weaved our way the past couple of weeks um, from a story that hopefully every one of us can tell the story. Um, not just information. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's Word. We talked about the Bible. And sometimes it's really easy to take the information of the Bible and pass it on. But really, that's not even the purpose of the Bible, right? The Bible, this book itself and the words itself, they're just like right there on the page. It's really important that we don't mistake the Bible for who the Bible is teaching us about and who the Bible is teaching us to follow. And so we talked about that last week. We talked about something that's really uncomfortable, I think, for all of us is this idea of sin. And it should be uncomfortable right? It should be. It's, it's dangerous. Satan is out there. Sin wants to kill me and you, and Satan is furious at us, but also we have these selfish desires, and we have all of these things going on, but it's really important. Before we really can embody and grasp the good news, it's really important to understand what the bad news was, right? And the bad news is, me and you, you want to know what we do really well? We make bad choices, Okay, we, we make choices opposing God. We do this very well. No one had to teach me growing up how to be rebellious. Like, no one had to. There was nobody that needed to mentor me in rebellion or mentor me in um, disrespect or mentor me in sexual morality. No one had to do that. I was just like, it's, it's there and it's bad news when you look at it and we see the fruit of that. We see how sin ultimately wants to destroy relationships with people and with God. That's the ultimate end right there is that, is if, if, if sin can do those things. And it's really easy to leave a lesson on sin. And there's, there's some of us here, we're wired in a way that really not, I mean, just kind of things just bounce off of us. You just feel like, you know, you're kind of, you know, excused, right? I mean, we used to use those words a lot where you're just like, oh, no, it's not talking about me. My sin isn't that bad, and I'm good. I'm not, you know. There's some of us that it just, it takes a while for things to sink in deeply to our hearts, and then there's others. Man, you hear something, and it just convicts your heart deeply, even when it shouldn't. Maybe, maybe there's nothing going on in your life, but you feel guilty and ashamed. And see, this is one of the things that even if Satan can't get you to go messing up your life, he can kind of plant that voice in your head that said, you don't know what, you're just a failure. Like you can't do anything good. You should be ashamed of yourself, right? That's what Satan will do. And every one of us have heard that. Like why even try? You've done too much wrong, okay? And so if all we were left with was Jesus coming to earth and saying, hey, y'all are sinners, then that would be really, really bad news, okay? It would be worse news if he said, you all can follow me, but you better never mess up. <laughs> you better never make a bad decision again, all right? That would be even worse news, this idea of, you mean, you mean we can please you, 
but we can never, like if we ever make a mistake, that's it. But here's this really cool concept, okay? And, and, and I, I want us to, may, maybe our mindset needs to change just on the concept here. It's this, it's this Christian kind of, we, we use this, you know, kind of the Christianly religious word, and we, it's called repentance, okay? And here's the thing about this is tons of classes have been taught on repentance, all right? Some of y'all sat in here, you've sat in so many classes on repentance, you already know half of what I'm going to say probably, you know, yeah, we know what it means in, in Greek and we have the information. on. But you know what's amazing is, is, is just having the information about something doesn't change anything with our hearts. All right. Jesus' goal wasn't that me and you would just know information. OK, but there's this concept and why I don't want us to get locked in on just this word. Man, that's a weird word, you know. But I, I want us to think about this is a really amazing thing where Jesus said, no, no, no. Guys, I know, you know he could speak to us collectively and say, I know y'all are a mess. <laughs> I know everything about you. And here's the thing. You can please me. You can come to me. You can walk with me. And even when Satan thinks he's got you because you made a bad choice, or you just had a bad day or you're just a bad month even, he's going, no, no, I got something else for you. And this is really good news. It's called repentance. This is really good news. This is where we get Satan, okay? Because he's going to think he, get, he has you, but I do, okay? This is, what he, this is such good news. And sometimes I find it's easier to describe what this looks like rather than just talking about definitions in these things, right? So let's look at Luke chapter 15 here. And uh, I love this, this story, if you're not familiar with it. So um, it's, a, it's a young man, and he's got an older brother. And he tells dad, he says, dad, I want my inheritance now. Like everything you're going to give me, please give it to me right this instant. Okay. And we all are like, yeah, okay. That's, that's kind of messed up. But he takes it. Okay. And he leaves, he, he leaves his family. And the story goes that he squandered all of his wealth on wild, wild living, okay? And like, you kind of get an idea. That's wild living in the first century is the same as it is in the 21st century, okay? And so it says he squandered it, okay? And there should be a point with us, uh, we need to stop long enough to go, I can connect with that guy, <laughs> okay? I can connect with that guy. Now, maybe I didn't take the inheritance uh, from my family. Maybe I didn't want this thing and I... I but, but here's the thing is, is, is we have taken things and we've gone off and squandered it, things, money, relationships in wild living. I mean, we really, every single one of us. Now, you may be going, Nucky, you understand. I've been in church my whole life. I don't do no squandering. I don't do wild living. I don't do that. I'm like, come, come back into the light, please. Okay? Okay, because you aren't as good as you think you are. All right, is we do this. And so the point of this story is that there should be kind of a connection going, I get that guy. But here's, I want you to really understand this picture that's being painted here as Jesus tells this story, okay? So um, we'll pick up in verse 14, okay? Luke 15, verse 14. After uh, the young man had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Man, it went from bad to worse, all right? Have you experienced that before? Where you're like, man, I made some bad choices. Now it's worse. Now I don't have this. And you're going, oh my goodness, can you imagine? And uh, then he went to work uh, for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to fill his, he, he longed to, to, to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, okay? I mean, that gives us an idea of how like low things have gotten. He's like, I'm starving. I'm like feeding these pigs and I'm looking at this food I'm feeding them. I'm going, man, that would taste so good right now if I just had a big bowl of this to eat, okay? And, and here's the thing, keep connecting with this guy, okay? Because really you're looking at this and the wheels are starting to turn that, okay, I'm in a place that just isn't right, okay? I've shared this with you before. My place, when that started happening, was in the backseat of a police car. <laughs> and you're going, something's wrong here, <laughs> okay? Like, like, I don't want to be on that side of the glass looking out. I, I don't like that. And it really, there was like this light bulb that goes, hold on, Keith, have you not figured this out yet, man? Like you've been living just sexually immoral. You're getting drunk. You're going out. You just got into a fight in a bar. I mean, look at your life, man. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, have you had that moment before where you kind of look at your life and go, what am I doing here? What on earth is happening? And so he's looking at this, this guy, and he came to a sentence. Here's the interesting thing right there in verse 17. This is what's so great. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and he went to his dad. But while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. All right, again, man, there's no way. We should never read this story and miss these connections. All right, we should never go, no, 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 this, I could. You're, you're talking about a guy that took everything from his dad, went and squandered it, came to his senses, and before he could even reach his dad, his dad was like, no, I'm coming out to see you. Right? I'm coming out to see you. And he was filled with compassion, and he, and he ran, and he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then you know what dad did? You know, with us here on earth, we would go, well, you know what dad should do is punish him. You know what, what dad should do is make his life miserable. What, how could you? He needs a good lecture, right? He needs to be in the doghouse for a little while. And his dad is like, hey, hey, boys, come here, round it up. It's party time. <laughs> like, get, go kill something that we can eat. Okay, go do it because we're going to have this big old party. Could you imagine the sun? And like, you know, we're wearing masks, but his jaw just drops. Say, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, whoa, man, we're going to go have a party? I told my dad, you know, he's like, dad, no, I told you. Just hire me as a hired guy. My life will be better if you do that, okay? And it's so, it, you look at this and you're going, okay, but... What is that about? I just want you to paint that picture because we're going to talk about repentance. This is really what it is. You see this humility of this young man going, oh boy. You know, sometimes it's really easy. We can come to our senses, but still be really stubborn and prideful. Right? Like I came to my senses, but I'm not going to let anybody know that. Okay. And that's, an, you know, and, and it's like, okay, um, that we know how that feels, right? We come to our, but you see this humility and then you see, he's like, I'm going to go and talk to my dad because I've wronged him. Like, I'm going to go and talk to him. And you want to know what? All I want, all I'm asking for 
is that he just makes me a hired hand. Like, I'm willing to work this off. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be done with this, okay? And so you look at this, and, and it's just that idea of hopefully when we're thinking of repentance, these pictures come into our mind, right? There's a couple, if you're taking notes, okay, you can look over even in Luke chapter 19, where you had guys who were, they actually were practicing like uh, magic art, sorcery. And they had some really valuable scrolls, okay? And to us, we're like a scroll, like how, <laughs> we don't like scrolls, right? But you have this really valuable stuff. And they said, you want to know what? Here's the thing is, is we came under conviction about how we're living. And we've got to change this. But not only that, but we're going to throw this away, even though it's costing us thousands of dollars. All right? And you're going, wow, the cost, the worldly cost didn't outweigh the spiritual cost, right? They're going, man, I give that away. Heck yeah, I give that away. All right? But then it even comes home closer to us, okay? Here's a couple stories I'm going to share just really quickly. And these are like real people, okay? All right? It's, it's a college student. It's a college disciple that cheats on a test and says, you want to know what? I need... I can't do this. And goes and talks to brothers and sisters. Says, I got to go talk to my teacher and tell them what I did. And I got to just tell them, I'll never do this again. I'll, whatever it takes. If you flunk me, you flunk me. But I'm changing. I'm not, I'm not falling into this again, okay? These are stories from your brothers and sisters. There's a, it's a teen disciple who decides he spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars this was back in the day before Spotify and Pandora and all this kind of stuff where you, 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 know, you, you either bought songs or you stole songs, okay? And he said, I, I spent hundreds of dollars buying songs that have nothing but filthy language in them. And then I have all these other songs that I stole and it came out to almost $1,000. He said, I raced them all. And it's not just the behavior that changes. That's taking from someone or that's dishonoring God. I won't dishonor God anymore. I'm tired of living that way. I don't want things coming in. These are his words. I don't want things coming into my ears that would dishonor God. Going, wow, that's different. Doesn't repentance like encourage you? Like you see, even as KJ was up here talking, you go, man, it is so awesome to be a disciple. It's so encouraging to see this idea of, of, of repentance, right? It's, it's, you know, the disciple living the double life, it says no more. <laughs> like I'm coming out into the light. I've got to talk about this because I'm tired of living in the dark. I'm tired of living a double life. I'm tired of being scared to death to talk to my brothers and sisters. All right. And then you see, and we've all either been that person or known that brother or sister. And you see what repentance does is there's this change that it, you're just, the only thing you can say is, is man, God is awesome. <laughs> it's, not, it's not because somebody's like a type A personality. It's because God changes, okay? And it's like this thing that God gives us. And, he's in, and, and oftentimes it's really easy. Isn't it funny how we take the word of God and it's like we, make, we kind of let it go stale over the years, okay? It's like, you know, you, you open up your bag of bread and let it sit on the, and after a while it just gets all, you don't like it anymore, okay? This happens to the word of God. And we start boiling down repentance to something you do when you realize you did something wrong. And you do it so God won't be angry at you anymore. <laughs> okay? Totally. Listen, that, that's Satan going, yes, yes, believe that. 
but believe that. Just, and so what we end up doing is, is there's, there's two sides of the road we can fall on. Super prideful, which is, I don't have much to repent of. You know, when I do something, I'll repent. <laughs> okay? And, and there's some of us in here who are going, yeah, I get you. And then there's the other side of it is super guilty, which is like, I'm not, golly, everything I do is wrong. You know, and you kind of feel either one of those. And what's really fascinating about this is Jesus, um, one of the things he said in Luke chapter 5, he said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners to repentance. Okay. Now, if you're like me, I remember reading that and going, man, you mean there's some people that don't need to repent? That must be me. <laughs> That's me in that group. See, Jesus even said it. No, no, no. He's not saying there are people that does. He's saying there's people that think they don't need to repent. He said, I came for the people that knew it. Man, they hear the word and they're like, buddy, I, I need that. Okay. And so you see this, you see this picture of repentance. You see, you see somebody become a disciple later in life and they realize they've lived this completely unconcerned life. And then you see the repentance and they can't stop giving. They can't get away from the body of Christ. They can't stop serving. They can't stop being with brothers and sisters. See, that's repentance, okay? A lot of times we boil it down to kind of a bad definition of, oh, it's just a 180 degree turn. Well, what does that look like in life? <laughs> I mean, that sounds great, but it's so theoretical. Like, like, what does that actually mean? And it doesn't tell us. That doesn't tell us anything about the word. So here's the interesting thing about it. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 11, okay? Because again, I, my guess is, okay, that if you've never heard about repentance or you've heard about a little bit about it, you're going, hey, okay, this is new to me and I'm learning it. If you've known for a long time, if this is just a normal kind of word for you, um, it, it might be time to hit the reset button on this word. And go, hold on, what is this really? Because as we're going to see here, this can become very easily more about me than about God. Okay, so Acts chapter 11, in verse 18, okay? So um, let me paint a picture here of what just happened. Uh, some of the early missionaries have come back and they said, people who aren't Jews have become Christian." Okay. Now, up until this time in the first century, most people didn't believe that could be possible. They thought the only people that get to become Christians are Jews. That's it. Like God, unfortunately, they may think that God doesn't even think that people love the Gentiles. Well, here comes Peter and he said, no, you don't understand. We're going around and there are people who aren't Jews and they are just repenting and being baptized and living faithfully and it was hard to convince the church of this, okay? It was hard to convince them. But then as Peter spoke and he gave the whole story, in verse 18, when they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God, okay? So, so the, the hearts were softening in people. They, they became silent, they glorified God, and here's what they said. So God has granted repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles. Okay, did you catch that? God has granted repentance, 
even to the Gentiles. See, their view of repentance wasn't an action I do to get God to like me. It was this gift that God has given us. And he's saying, oh, you mean this gift we had from God, he gave it to the Gentiles too? And so I think that causes us to stop for a second and think, when was the last time we thanked God for repentance? Just for giving us that beautiful gift of being able to look at my sin and look at Jesus and examine it and take full responsibility for my sin and how it hurts people. And to be able to go, okay, you want to know what now? Um, I, can, I can change how I think according to God's word. And I can go back just like, now here's the cool thing. Okay. So you have the prodigal son. There's illustrations all over the place in this thing. But this is the illustration of repentance. Is this idea of repentance is getting me back to where I need to be with God. Back on his track and his teachings and his expectations. Okay. And we're going, you mean God lets us do that? Absolutely. Isn't that awesome to know that God is going, yeah, you know, I'm with you. I'm rooting that on. Okay, so we see this here. Um, One of the things that that early on, uh, right before Jesus, you had John the Baptist. And and this was kind of just a normal word, right? I mean, we read Matthew 4. The first thing Jesus preaches is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. First thing John the Baptist preaches before Jesus is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This was like an expectation, just like a basic expectation And then one day, John the Baptist was down at the river, and he was baptizing, and um, some religious leader showed up. Okay. Now, here's the other connection point. Okay. It's really good to connect ourselves with with that prodigal son. Okay. That's a good thing. Emotionally connect ourselves. I think it's a really good thing for us to connect ourselves to the religious Pharisees and leaders, too. Okay. I I just think it is. I think in any story in the Bible where there's like Jesus and Pharisees, I'm way more like the Pharisees than Jesus, okay? There's no time I should go, oh man, I'm glad me and Jesus are over here. It's like, let me connect here. And and so one of the things um, that that John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, 8, he said, he turns to these prideful religious leaders. He said, who warned y'all to come here? (laughs) Who told you to change? Like, could you imagine that sermon, <laughs> right? Mike Salter shows up and said, Mike, who invited you? <laughs> what are you doing here? Who warned you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What's, what happened to Keith, okay? And John the Baptist is like, listen. And, but he tells him, he says, here's what I want y'all to do. See, produce fruit that is consistent with repentance, okay? And so again, what he's saying, and this is what makes it tough, right? He's saying this isn't just information. This isn't just a profession of faith. This isn't just anything like that. This is like emotionally, you're going, I'm going to live in a way that your life will actually produce something different, okay? And we've seen that in these these examples, right? And so let's turn over to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, okay? Because as we, as we dig into this, um, let's get an idea of, um, you know, what, does, what is God producing inside of us when it comes to repentance here, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I would really encourage you, I know we're just kind of cherry-picking some of these verses, is in every situation, I mean, this is, this is why, 
you know, we can have a lesson, but, but we've got to go and be students afterwards. Okay? There's, we can't holistically teach everything about repentance. But also, we've got to go back and, and read, well, what was the context that this was written in? Okay, what is he talking about? So, you know, it can't just be Keith making this up, right? And so 2 Corinthians 7, um, the beginning, I'll give you a little bit of the beginning context of this chapter, is Paul had written a letter to this group, to this church, okay? And it was scathing. It was challenging. It was even hurtful to them, according to them, okay? And so he wrote the letter, and then he had somebody come back and say, here's how the church heard it. Here's how the church repented. Here's how the church changed when they heard that message, okay? And now we're going to pick up with Paul giving his side of this. He says this, okay? Um, uh, verse, we'll start in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 7. In fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears inside. But God who comforts the humble, comfort us by the arrival of Titus. And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing and your sorrow and your zeal for me so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. Even though I did regret it at the time, but since I saw the letter grieved you, because I saw the letter grieved you, yet only for a little while, now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, not because the letter gave you a hard time, but because your grief led you to repentance, okay? So, so here's the thing, is, is you get the word of God and we know how that feels when it just starts kind of weighing down, right? Or you're challenged, or you hear something, you're like, I don't like that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to get into that. I don't want, and we all do it. We all do it. I mean, that's one of the things I talked about last week is the idea of when we talk about sin, oftentimes there isn't anything that makes us more angry than turning our eyes towards sin, okay? And so you see this, and Paul says, here's what I love more than anything. You didn't just sit there and like absorb this letter and get all bitter and angry and hardened in your heart and all that kind of stuff. He said, no, no, no. What it did is your grief led you to repentance. And so there's that side of it. I don't know what's going on inside of you or what goes on inside of you when you're studying the Bible, when you're getting together with people. But if you're, you're, there's, a, there's a choice to be made. We're being convicted by our sin. And there's a choice to be made, and we can make a couple of different choices. He said, your grief led you to repentance because you grieved the way God wanted you to. And you didn't experience any loss uh, from us. For godly grief produces a repentance not to be regretted and leading to salvation. Right? I, I love those words. Godly sorrow or godly grief leads you to repentance that leaves no regret. Okay? Again, I, I might be speaking someone's language there. When you go, man, I got so many regrets. I wish I didn't have any regrets. I wish I didn't live the way I live. I wish. And he's going, no, no, you don't understand. Like this repentance is such a great gift because now you don't have to live with regret. You don't have to live that way any longer. When you're sorry the way God intended you to be, okay? 
He said, but worldly sorrow produces death. All right. Um, pretty common illustration um, about this is we usually say godly sorrow is you kind of turn yourself in before you get caught. And worldly sorrow is you're just sorry because you got caught. And that makes sense to a certain degree, okay? But I think that what ends up happening is, is here's even the good news. There are times, and it's happened to me and it's happened to some of you too, where you get caught. You just get caught in a sin. You aren't going to tell anybody. But you got caught. All right? This verse isn't saying, well, you're just going to die now. There's still that same choice of going, okay, you want to know what? I wasn't, but I've got to take some responsibility. And I've got, there's, there's other things that need to be repented of as well. Okay. And the reason why I bring that up is because sometimes we only think that, oh man, unless I kind of turn myself in. But here's the good news. Listen, God will out us. <laughs> he just, he will, because he knows his repentance is so good. Okay. And he says, here's what this produces in us. Okay. So, so again, we've got to kind of look inside of our hearts and go, okay, am I, is this being produced inside of me when I'm feeling really convicted by God about the word of God? Is this what happens on the inside? He said, godly grief produces repentance, not to be regretted, but leads to salvation. Then in verse 11, for consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you a desire to clear yourself, indignation, fear, deep longing, zeal, justice in every way you showed yourselves to be innocent in this matter said so no one can ever hold this against you how is that how, how is that he says you'll be blameless because you've done everything you can to get back on the right track okay let me give you an example there was a brother years and years and years ago uh, before he was a Christian, he was studying the Bible. And as he was studying the Bible and he decided, I, I want to be baptized into Christ. I want to become a disciple of Jesus. And he said, you know, guys, he starts telling some of these brothers, he said, I got to tell you something, though. I was involved in murdering somebody. Okay. And, and I know when we hear that in Clemson, we're like, oh, my goodness. I, I, hope, I hope we reach the world where somebody can go, you want to know what? I've been involved in this thing. Okay. And they said, okay, where did it happen? He said, was well, in this state, this other state. It's all right. He got away with it. He, he didn't, you know, I mean, this was, he was home free. He said, listen, here's, here's what we got to do. And they studied second Corinthians seven. He said, Here, here's the thing is I'm alarmed. I'm not alarmed because I think I'm in trouble. I'm alarmed because I'm learning about Jesus and how incredible he is and how amazing he is and how much love he's shown me. And I'm going, man, I'm alarmed because, <laughs> listen, I can't keep this in anymore. This has to change. And it's kind of stayed in there. And so him and a couple brothers drive to that state. And they go to the officers, the, the, the authorities. And I said, I just want to tell you something. There's this thing that happened. You can look it up. I was involved in it. And it took him quite a bit of time to actually convince the guy to believe him. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? You go to the police station and, and you're going, no, no, I did that. 
Like, pull it up on the computer. See that? That was me. I did that. And they're going, oh, no, no, no. Nobody would do this. No way. I mean, they're not believing him. And then it came into, he's like, here, let me share all these things, okay? And, um, and, and he's like, whatever has to happen. He, he was alarmed. He, he wanted to see justice done. He's like, you want to know what, man? I hurt somebody. I hurt people. I hurt families. Whatever justice has to be done, I'm willing to serve it. Okay, well, in through all of this, he becomes a disciple. Okay, and, and here's the thing is a lot of times we would go, well, great, then he, he everything is good afterwards. No, he served time in jail. He served time for this and he didn't complain about it. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm so, he was like, no, 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 I did this. I'm alarmed in light of who Jesus is that I did it. I don't care that people know. And whatever that judge says, I'm okay. I deserve worse, and I will do that, okay? That, that's pretty stunning, right? That's pretty stunning, but you see this is, is this alarm and this indignation, and see, that's where the rubber meets the road, but here's the question, okay? The question is this. Well, well Keith, are you saying that it's just you that does it? Like, so it's just our choice. Like, God's not even, it's just, we have the power, and we have the decisions, and then when we do that, then we're back. No, 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 no. Okay? Because, again, here's the interesting thing about this, is our response to Jesus, okay? A response to a gift of of God going, here's repentance. (laughs) Here it is. You know, to all of us, he's going, to the whole world, he's going, here it is. It's repentance. I got people coming to you and the word of God coming to you and I'm giving it to you right here and it's free and it's a gift and you can have this. A response to that isn't any kind of like work on my behalf. It's not at all. I mean, it doesn't say anything about that. It's simply going, oh man, it's free. You mean I could do that? That's it? Is I just have to examine this and be real and accountable and responsible and connect the dots. Here's the thing is, A lot of times we take sin and we disconnect it to the hurt it brings to relationships. Okay, We do. All of us do that because that's the part that's really convicting. It's like, oh, you mean when I looked at this pornography? No, that was just a sin. I've said that before. No, no, no. The pornography doesn't hurt anybody. It's just me. No, no, it's just hurting me. No, it's not. Listen, I'll tell you, when we start digging into this idea of Jesus loving everyone, Jesus dying for everyone and seeing that, hold on a minute, there were so many ways that was affecting me, but it was so many ways it was hurting my family, my brothers and sisters, okay? Because, man, I wasn't going to help anybody. I wasn't going to preach anything. I wasn't going to do, man, I was just scared to death. I was like trying to have my own like safety, you know, kind of like protectiveness, okay? But then when you go down another layer, okay, And this is what becomes just heartbreaking, um, is thinking, you know, all of the images I've seen in my life that I have contributed to, even not financially, but just with a click, just with whatever, um, what I've basically done is I've said, no, this is someone's child, and I'm okay with them being abused. In fact, here's the interesting thing. Do you realize just in the Southeast, just in the Southeast, right? The highest concentration of Christians in America. If the people who said they were Christians stopped looking at porn, the industry would collapse. That's how much money. 
That's how much money comes through. It's just if the Christians stopped. That's sad, right? That's sad. But again, it's that empathy of going, wow, man, I'm complicit in trafficking. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun at all, does it? Could you imagine meeting a father and saying, oh, yeah, that's great. Your daughter's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. That's I, you know, I look at her all the time. Man, I can tell you as a dad, I would rip your throat out. I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't just stop at ripping your throat out. I'd put it back in and rip it out again. I can't even tell you the anger that I would have towards somebody treating my daughter this way or my child this way. Okay? And all we've talked about is we just talked about one thing, how this industry is affecting the world. But here's the interesting thing. You take any sin and you're going, man, if I'm a gossip, I lie, I cheat, I'm selfish. That's the big one right there. We've disconnected selfishness from hurting brothers and sisters. That we disconnected it. Like, it's like feeling like convicted by that instead of going, no, you want to know what? When I'm about me and protecting me and protecting my money and protecting my time and protecting my heart and all that kind of stuff, you want to know what? Every one of you, and it's not because I lead the church or I'm a minister, it's because I'm your brother in Christ. Everyone is hurt, even if you don't know it. There are lost people who are hurt. All right? So this, this idea of repentance isn't just, okay, let me say I'm sorry. It's this realization that God is going, no, Keith, here's this thing. But dude, you got to get real about your life, man. Like you got to see how that hurts hurting people. You got to see about how your temper is hurting people. You got to see about how your lack of self-control is hurting people. You got to see all of the, you can look around and see, ask people. And going, oh, this has to change. This, this has got to change. That's where our hearts begin to soften, okay? That's where I love John 13, 34. I love that, where Jesus just makes it very simple. As I have loved you, so you must love others. <laughs> okay? So here's the thing. Repentance isn't just this one action. It's once you get on the repentance train, we have to stay on it. It's that idea of everything is examined through this lens of, of, of reminding myself how Jesus loved me, had mercy on me, grace on me, saved me, taken me out of really bad places, taught me, rebuked me, and going, whoa, when I'm not that way to my brothers and sisters and to the world, man, I'm just selfish dog. <laughs> this is not good. I'm not okay with the church just being a, a group that people sit around. I'm not okay with a church not making an impact. I, and I'm not talking about that as a preacher. I'm talking about just as, as brothers and sisters going, hold on a minute. We can be a part of something that is revolutionizing neighborhoods and friends and family and coworkers. Not any of this stuff going, oh man, but I can't get, no, 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 no. We've become disconnected with repentance and the gospel when we start becoming cynical and going, no, my neighbors wouldn't, no, no, this person wouldn't, no, it's too hard, okay? And maybe it's not too difficult, right? Maybe it's they're not seeing it from us. I, they, they might see us, you know, gathering. They might see us reading our Bibles, but to see that, man, I have this gift of repentance. I, I, let me share you how I can be honest and accountable for my sin. And, and here's what, you know, KJ comes here and says, this is what God has done for me. <laughs> right? And you go, man, he's, he's like, I read the Bible. I want to be a part of that. There's no greater evangelism than that. None. You can have all the information you want. And ultimately, here's the cool thing. What comes from it? Turn over to Acts chapter 2. We're going to finish up with this.
Okay. Acts chapter 2. There, there's a couple things. We're going to hit Acts chapter 2. We're going to hit Acts chapter 3. And again, this is just hopefully sending you on your way to study this, this out more, to be curious about this, to go, whoa, man, is this really as good as what we've read? Okay. So Acts chapter 2. Um, here's the cool thing. He says this. Peter preaches this great sermon. The, the, the hearers, at least some of them, okay? I mean, sometimes, you know, there are 3,000 people baptized, they think. Probably, it's probably a rough number, okay? I mean, just, they weren't like clicking the button, like checking it, but probably a rough number. And we go, man, 3,000, that's a lot of people. Well, there are probably millions of people there. There are probably more than a million people present in the city at the time, okay? So this is still a lot of people, but sometimes we think, no, this entire crowd became disciples, okay? But here's what he said. They come under conviction, and, and the ones who are listening say, well, we're done. We're done. What can we do? Like, I'm a mess. I'm not only a mess, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm complicit in the death of Jesus. What, what could you possibly do to be right with Jesus again? And he says in verse 38, Peter says, repent. Okay. Repent and be baptized, each of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, here, here's, let, me, let me hopefully take a little pressure off you guys. Um, maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody you're reaching out to, somebody you're studying the Bible with. Sometimes it's easy to say that and go, repent and be baptized. Does that mean I have to go through every sin I've ever committed in my entire life and go through this like list so long, it's not even humanly possible, okay? Now, here's what I'm saying. We need to be conscious of who we are as sinners. I'm not saying to just kind of whitewash that away, okay? But oftentimes there's so much pressure to be baptized instead of going, no, what he's saying here with repentance is this. It's very simple. Is repent, change from you being in charge to Jesus being in charge. That's the thing. With your entire life, go from pleasing you to pleasing God. Go from you being the authority and the world being the authority. That's it. And be baptized. And he says, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to wipe your sins away. I'm going to wash them away completely. 100%. They ain't never coming back. And it's going to keep being cleansed over and over and over again. You're going, wow, that's awesome. That, that, listen, that's a good deal. That, that's a really good deal. All right? But then in Acts chapter 3, and this is the last one right here, um, he says this, uh, another aspect of this, therefore in verse 19, Acts 3, verse 19, Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So, if you've been there before, repentance is refreshing. It's just refreshing. It doesn't mean that everything went away. It doesn't mean you're not wrong. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It's going, oh man, whew. Thank God. The weight, the weight is lifted. All right. And, and, and not to fool ourselves about that, but it really, that really happens. It really does. And he says here, seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that, that's the one thing I want to leave you with, okay, is that little thing right down there, okay? He doesn't say times of refreshing will come so you can go on and be selfish. Times of refreshing will come and then you can get back on with your life. Times of refreshing will come. And he says, no, no, actually, here's the good news. Times of refreshing will come 
in the presence of God. He said, that's what, we, that's what we're built for. Is even here, even now, when I'm at home and doing long, whatever it is, is this idea of soaking in the presence of God. That that's what we're built for. That's the prodigal son coming back and going, man, why did I do this? Okay, because when we leave the presence of God, all right, it's not where we're built to be. We're meant to be in this place, okay? And so this is where sometimes we get a little bit goofy with our repentance because we think, oh, I've repented. Let me go back. Saying, well, that's not actually repentance. Repentance is let me now enjoy the presence of God.